Welcome back, everybody. This is your host, Ben Baker, and I'm missing Tim tonight because this is the first midweek minute. Oh, yeah. Lots of excitement all around. So as promised, this is the first episode of hopefully a bit of a shorter midweek update since there's um, so much to cover and we really never can get to it all. And being that we have started the 2024 legislative session, there's even more to talk about on the podcast. So that's what we're going to do. And um, I'm coming to you live right now from the Capitol, from my office, 403A. If you're ever here, come by. See me. See what's happening. I always encourage people, come and check it out. Um, Hang out with me for a day. See what the debate is like. Look at the the debate that's happening in, in committees. And uh, just really get a, a better picture of the process of, of legislation. Um, and I'm telling you, it'll, it'll drive you to be more engaged in the political process. So we have started the 2024 legislative session. So for instance, let me just give you a rundown of my day to day. So right now I'm in the office, I'm eating some cold pizza that I ordered earlier, and I'll explain to you why I'm still here at 9 o'clock at night. Um, So this morning, up at 5.30 at the Crack House, that's what we affectionately call the place where we live during session in Jefferson City. I share that with three of my colleagues and... um, so we all four rent a house not far from the Capitol building and started out when we begin our tenure here. It was not a very nice place, not a very good uh, neighborhood. But they somebody has bought that and fixed it up and they're Airbnb in it out and and it's decent now. I wouldn't be too terribly embarrassed to bring a friend over, I suppose. At this point. So up at 5.30 this morning, got ready, freezing cold, in the building before 6.30 this morning and making coffee, which is priority number one that early in the morning. I am an early riser, and usually I'm one of the first people in the building and getting my day started and working on legislation and all the things that are involved with um, what I do as a representative. So I got here this morning, made some coffee on the old bun coffee maker, and begin to study and prep for a bill presentation today, which is going to be the Emerging Issues Committee. And in that committee, there have been, I think, six or seven bills referred that we'll have a hearing today on. And the the one that is my bill is the one that I have mentioned before regarding a bathroom or locker room policy uh, for public schools. 
So anytime you have that kind of a bill, you know it's going to be controversial. And there's going to be a lot of people show up to testify, and it'll probably be a long hearing. It'll be uh, pretty contentious. And so I wanted to set aside some time throughout the day and also last night to prep for that bill, to present it in committee and make sure and be prepared for that. So committee this morning at 8 o'clock, another committee, which is the Downsizing uh, State Government, or I think it's called downsizing government and efficiency and downsizing now. I uh, was the chair of that committee for two years, got a lot of good things done in that. Uh, One of my favorite committees, I call it the slasher committee, where we can cut government uh, where it is needed to, to be cut. And so that committee was this morning, heard a couple bills, um, voted in committee on a few bills this morning and there. And then our legislative session starts at 10 a.m. when we gavel in for the session for that day. And so being that we are in the very beginning stages of our legislative session this year, didn't have a whole lot to work on at all on the floor. So we gavel in. There's uh, points of personal privilege and, and things that people bring up and talk about, but no work really being done on the floor today. Immediately following that session, we had our yearly sexual harassment training. And that's quite a class, folks. Um, Don't have the time to really go over all the things uh, in that class, but it is a very interesting one. And we supposedly are mandated to take that class every year And so we sit there and listen to the folks that are presenting that. Um, After that, this morning, um, I came back to the office, had more prep for the hearing this afternoon, had several meetings uh, regarding legislation and um, meeting with different people regarding bills that I have in the works. And then the hearing for emerging issues was to start at three no I'm sorry two o'clock this afternoon and so that hearing began at two by the way again there are seven bills I believe that were heard are actually are still being heard as I speak right now all having to do in some way shape or form with LGBTQ issues which means that um, again it's going to be highly controversial they will bring in a lot of witnesses to testify on those bills and it will be very contentious Um, so some of the bills we heard in that committee today is uh, removing the sunset clause on the SAFE Act which is representative Brad Hudson's bill. Uh, He had two bills to present today in that committee. So last year we passed the SAFE Act, which was effectively prohibiting the transgender care, um, trans-affirming care, as they call it, uh, allowing the hormone blockers for, for kids and transgender surgeries, sex reassignment surgeries. So we had a bill that prohibited that. Um, 
were able to get it done, signed by the governor last year. But somehow in the Senate, they added to that a sunset clause so that in four years, then it goes away. And they can pick up doing those things again. And so we have a bill already this year to revisit that and remove that sunset clause, uh, that four-year sunset clause. That's one of the bills, of course, took a lot of time in the committee today. Uh, Lots of testimony on that bill. Also, along with that bill, Brad Hudson, Representative Brad Hudson, has a bill that's uh, effectively protecting individual rights of conscience when it comes to specifically the medical profession and those who would say, because of um, this belief that I have, whether it's a religious belief or a belief of conscience, that I uh, should not be forced to perform certain surgeries or medical practices that may uh, have a, a conflict with what they believe in their their personal uh, convictions and worldview, and so protecting individual conscience rights. Um, another bill by Representative Adam Schnelting is one that um, de- defines biological sex and again, it's just crazy that we live in a time where we're even having to discuss this and, and legislate these issues when it comes to defining biological sex. But we are. Um, and some of the definitions of sex and gender that I have heard will absolutely boggle your mind. Um, I wish that we had the footage to, and, and we may do that, we may go back and, and pull some of the tape from these hearings and, and let our listeners hear um, some of the testimony. I think it would be an eye-opener to you to hear some of the positions of those that come and testify. And then another bill by Representative Adam Schnelting that um, sets a statewide policy regarding public school locker rooms, restrooms, shower rooms, and all that. Uh, And then I had my bill that was presented uh, immediately following Representative Schnelting's bills, um, similar when it came to the language and policy regarding public school locker rooms, restrooms, shower rooms, um, but a little bit different, a little bit more streamlined and and simple. Um, But it just, it takes time, lots of questions, and people that want to kind of go back to the whole debate of saying that Um, anybody who tackles these issues uh, is full of hate toward the LGBTQ community, and that's simply not the case. Um, In fact, it is the opposite, and that is we do care about people, and we do care about kids. So those bills are always controversial uh, dealing with with those subjects, Um, but so important. I've heard from many people, even a lot of public school superintendents that say we, we need a statewide universal policy so that it's not left to the school school districts to, um, to have to implement their own policy regarding that, because there have been some policies implemented that put kids at risk, uh, when it comes to locker rooms and bathrooms and allowing people of the opposite gender, the opposite sex, biological sex, to share those spaces, which um, obviously puts them in a vulnerable situation and a place where it could be very unsafe. As a dad of four daughters, I can tell you that it's imperative that we uh, 
that we do this. And, um, and again, I, I think it's something that, you know, for hundreds, if not thousands of years, we have agreed upon that there are only two genders. There are only two biological sexes, male and female, and that there should be a reasonable expectation of privacy when it comes to um, those spaces where people could be in various stages of undressing and that our children shouldn't be subjected to someone, especially those that may simply identify for the purpose of the nefarious purpose of wanting to have access to those spaces, knowing that they would have easy access to a, a child um, where there could be a predator who has the intention to prey upon children. And we can't allow that to happen. We've got to pr- protect our kids. We've got to uh, do everything that we can to put a policy in place. So those are some of the things that happened in that committee. So that went from 2 o'clock to around 8.30. Um, so right now it's after 9 o'clock p.m. in the Capitol, and I'm still here. Um, almost 13 hours, I guess, I've been in the building today, and that's a that's a very typical day for the legislature um, when it comes to all the things that that we are involved in here and getting legislation done, or at least attempting to get a legislation done. So aside from the drama of the week, um, let's briefly discuss a, a few just current events of significance that have happened since last weekend, because there have been several. Um, you know, primarily the biggest one would have been Monday, uh, where President Trump wins the Iowa caucuses. And he did that bigly. And then uh, immediately after that, Vivek Ramaswamy immediately drops out of the race and endorses Trump. That was something that I think we have discussed before, um, that it was likely that that would be the case. And maybe even gives a little bit of... Um, Credence to my theory uh, that Vivek could have been there for the sole purpose of helping Trump throughout all of this and uh, articulating some policy and and things that um, could really be a help to the Trump campaign. So he drops out, endorses Trump, and his speech was really great, I thought, as he uh, joined Trump on the the campaign trail. So let's listen to just a little bit of this when Vivek uh, endorses Trump and what's going on here. I thought it was kind of interesting. I'm going to pause this. Trump's body language whenever they're speaking kind of behind the podium here and people are kind of chanting VP, 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 um, was, I thought, quite interesting. It was almost like, you know, I'm in control. Uh, you did me a solid, uh, but don't don't mess it up. <laughs> you know, like, like, don't get out of line, Vivek. You know, know your place. That was kind of like the body language that I could see there. 
So he's kind of congratulating him. They're hugging and he's talking to him. He's shaking his hand. Thank you. Thank you. And wow, that's how was that? Pretty good, right? That was pretty good. And he's a fantastic guy. And he's really, uh, he's got something that's uh, very special because he started off with a Zippo and he's got, he ended up very strong. He did a great job. I was actually surprised when he called because he was doing well. And uh, it's an honor to have his endorsement. He's going to be working with us and he'll be working with us for a long time. I thought that was an interesting statement um, where he says he'll be working with us. He'll be working with us for a long time. Um, you know, is that a, a hint um, of a vice president candidate in Vivek Ramaswamy? I don't know. I think it's definitely a, a possibility to consider that. Um, I still think that there will probably be a better place uh, in a Trump administration, a potential Trump administration for Vivek. Um, but we'll see how that turns out. So... That was uh, an interesting turn of events. I thought it was interesting, too, to see. I I saw uh, somebody put together a little bit of a breakdown of the Iowa ad spending between candidates, at least the top three candidates. Um, so Trump spent $18.2 million in Iowa, and that's $340 per vote. Um, for the Iowa caucuses, pardon my voice, by the way, this week I've had a little frog in the old throat, so not sure what that's about, but bear with me on the Old Man Cave Caucus podcast. And so Trump, $18.2 million, $340 per vote. Uh, DeSantis spent $34 million in Iowa, which was... $1,697 per vote, uh, quite a bit more spending than Trump. Um, then you had Nikki Haley, third place uh, in the Iowa caucuses, but spent $36 million, so even more than DeSantis. And that was $1,797 and some change for uh, per vote for the Iowa caucuses. And if you remember back in 2016, it was very similar with Trump um, being the, I think if I remember right, one of the least spenders in the Iowa caucuses back in 2016. Um, so that's kind of the breakdown of spending. And, uh, and then you had Vivek following up after that, but quite a bit of space between his spending and, and even amount of votes and the others. So um, that's a little bit of breakdown of what happened with Iowa. Um, you're going to see this really ratcheting up toward Super Tuesday now. Uh, of course, New Hampshire will happen as well in between there. Uh, one thing that I would be remiss to, to not mention uh, this week is the speech by Javier Malie. And we've talked about him uh, on a couple occasions on the podcast, the new president of Argentina who has been quite the um, 
entertainment and the flair that he has, but also in policy of really just going in and wrecking some of the government programs and thing and spending um, and being very vocal about those things as well. So somehow he landed a spot to to be speaking at the World Economic Forum. And you know, this is the 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 elitist group that that meets all the all the billionaires and rich folks that meet in in Davos and discuss their evil plans for the world, the one world agenda. And literally they're using those terms now just out in the open, you know, the one world agenda. And, you know, how they all know what's best for all of us peasants. Um, Such as, you know, we need to eat bugs instead of meat. And we need 3D printed meat instead of actual meat. And, you know, all the crazy things that they come up with that they think the world needs to do to survive. But his speech at Davos was something else. I mean, he really goes after it. And I want you guys to hear this. Good afternoon. Thank you very much. Today I'm here to tell you that the Western world is in danger. He said, I'm here to tell you the Western world is in danger. I mean, he just goes right into the the heart of the problem. And really tells the socialists... Uh, for the lack of a better term, maybe even communists at the World Economic Forum, that they are, in fact, the problem, not the solution like they think they are. So listen to this. And it is endangered because those who are supposed to have to defend the values of the West are co-opted by a vision of the world that inexorably leads to socialism. So he said it's co-opted by a vision of the world that often leads to socialism. He's talking to these people, calling them out. Goodbye to poverty. Unfortunately, in recent decades, motivated by some well-meaning individuals willing to help others, and others motivated by the wish to belong to a privileged caste, the main leaders of the Western world have abandoned the model of freedom for different versions of what we call collectivism. Wow, saying that they have abandoned uh, true freedom for this version of collectivism, which is so true about what is happening in the United States of America specifically, and this group of people especially, their ideas, um, and it is collectivism. I mean, that's the argument that I made during covid is the danger of falling into this idea that it is our responsibility to keep everyone else safe, which is um, at its core collectivism. So he goes right after it. We're here to tell you that collectivist experiments are never the solution to the problems that afflict the citizens of the world. Rather, they are the root cause. So he says collectivism is never the solution and they are the, it is the cause. Believe me, no one better place than us Argentines to testify to these two points. So, 
I mean, he went right after it. And I've been saying this. I, I think that this guy is the real deal. I mean, why else would you take this opportunity in front of the whole world to tell the this elitist group at the World Economic Forum the truth like he did and in such a bold way that is so refreshing to see? Um, just telling them the straight truth that you're the problem. You're not the solution. And socialism is definitely not the solution. Collectivism is not the solution. Um, and we're losing our freedoms. It's really simple. So, uh, next up real quick. Um, I don't know if you heard about the, the January 13th insurrection that happened here recently at the white house, believe it or not. But, uh, you know, totally not an insurrection according to the left. But it was the pro-Hamas, Jew-hating crazies that were there protesting and breaking down the barriers to the point where they had to actually evacuate the White House. Wow. But so far, I haven't seen any, uh, you know, January 13th committees or any arrests of domestic terrorists or any real negative even mainstream media coverage or any old grandmas thrown in prison for their insurrectiony behavior so we'll see we'll stay in tune and uh report back if we see anything change on that front but um, i would say it's probably not expected um but amazing i mean they had to evacuate the essential personnel at the White House. Here's a clip of this. People holding up. They're yelling, break it down. Break. Uh, they're pushing on the, the gates. They're holding the Palestinian flags. This is the White House, and right in the background, they're they're breaking down the fence, the barriers. Guy right here is climbing up like he's going to climb over the barrier. Yeah. So that happened. January the 13th. <sighs> I tell you. Here's a Fox News clip about it. Funding Hamas and the Houthis are being handled. It's Peter Ducey talking. Uh, President Biden here. Looks like he's lost. But people mad at the president are really mad. Demonstrators with signs about Yemen and Gaza tried to topple a temporary security fence Saturday night. The Secret Service sized up the crowd and tells us as a precaution, some members of the media and staff in proximity to Pennsylvania Avenue were temporarily relocated while the issue was being addressed. No arrests, though. No arrests associated with the march, and there was no property damage to the White House or adjacent buildings. White House officials are not reversing support for Israel. However, they do back some subtle changes, urging Israel to wind down the campaign in Gaza. The next logical phase here, as they have put pressure on Hamas. I'll end it there. So the White House evacuated with another mostly peaceful protest. And this time, it's the pro-Hamas group. I really think that 
The truth about these uh, protesters is that many of them are just looking for a reason to tear something up. It doesn't really matter the cause. You know, whatever the next um, thing is that people are all fired up about, the next cause that they can go out and just tear stuff up and become a part of something to maybe give them some sense of purpose or something. I don't know. But no arrests, you know, not on this insurrection. So with that, I think that's everything for this this debut of the first midweek minute. So um, with that, we'll catch you Monday. Have a good one, everybody. 